You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. Our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. We do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke, and I have great guests today. Awesome guests. There's one thing that I have loved about this process about launching our business, and that is the journey of like who we meet, who works here, who and what they're doing next. One of the very first things way back in the day when we interviewed Darren Rudloff, who was from Wyoming, which is where one of our guests are from today. Um, he's a mentor to me, and I was very stressed out when we first launched Francis Roy about, oh my God, what if we have to ever have to fire somebody, or what happens if people like don't like working here, or they leave us, or whatever? And he gave me the best advice, and that was like, you're not trying to keep employees forever. You're trying to build a work culture where people are proud to be from, where you you know your business, and that completely changed my perspective and really kind of drives our culture a little bit. So anytime we can have previous freelancers or previous employees that worked with us here at Francis Roy come back and we can still collaborate and interface, that's always like a really successful thing in my mind. So I'm going to introduce you to some people that you know, Um, Hillary Durso, our content director here at Francis Roy. Hey, Hill. Hey. Kelsey Dorr, our marketing manager here at Francis Roy, who's in Japan. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. (laughs) Alicia Perez, who was our communications intern, and she goes to the University of Wyoming, and so she's back with us about this chat. Hey, Alicia. Hi. And some of you may not know Erin Rossetti, but Erin Rossetti did a lot of writing and contracting with our team and worked on our team here at Francis Roy in some of the early stages, and we have Erin back with us, too. Hey, Erin. Hello. So we're so excited. And I would just say this, Erin is like almost ready. She's pregnant right now. She's almost ready to have a baby. And so we're all kind of <laughs> holding our breath and being like, is this going to be like a, in a, an incredible moment or like, are we good to go? But she sounds wonderful. So it we're, could be. Yeah. <laughs> She's like 62 weeks pregnant. I mean, I'm scared to death. <laughs> Just 39. If I, if I made it to 62, we'd have some real problems. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're very excited about that and excited to have you guys because I feel like the five of us all represent different growth areas too. We've all worked on different aspects of media here at Rancis Roy. And this episode is the final episode in our four-part series about our core services here. We started with strategy. You guys have listened to episodes on strategy, design, and digital, and this rounds it out for us in media. And I know the five of us, we've all worked in different aspects and we're at different points in our career. And so to me, this is going to be super exciting. Are you guys ready? I'm so stoked. Yeah. I'm going to read a little bit from our website and then just talk about some of the things that we do here and then we'll go right into it. But making news is not as simple as it once was. We all know that. So our agency works with a variety of journalists and new media professionals. That includes everyone from traditional journalists to bloggers and influencers. And we're going to talk about influencers because I feel like that's a super hot topic. And we, we really 
leverage these relationships and we develop compelling stories, we create events, we love creating like immersion experiences and interfacing with our media friends and we pitch their teams and we're hoping for that kind of like gold standard, which is the earned media for all of our clients. So we really work on media relations as a whole. We write press releases and send those out to our media lists. We sometimes we will train our clients on the way that they can interact with the media. We develop newsrooms, digital media kits, which we absolutely love, and then organize fam trips and press tours. Holy crap. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot. It's fun. So, okay. I feel like we should work up to influencers because I feel like that's going to take over the discussion if we don't. Definitely. Do you guys all feel good about that? I'm going to ask one question to everybody because I feel like it's a little bit controversial. Traditional PR or social media, or are they integrated? Are they one? Are they one now? Guys. I go you can't do one without, they're not one, I wouldn't say, because they do take, I feel like a certain skills for each one, but you cannot do one without the other. They're, they're not one, but they're definitely cohesive. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. You definitely want to have to be the most effective and impactful for all of your, all of your audiences. You need to have a blend. You need to marry the traditional with the digital and with, you know, the non-traditional simply because you're not going to reach everyone that you want to reach in your target if you don't. I loved when I asked this question because Elise just like threw her hands up and she like threw her body back like because <laughs> like, it's so who I worry about I'm gonna be real are the Alicia's the people who are coming out of college and we are kind of on this cusp where everything is changing so rapidly we're like when I came out of college it definitely looked a certain way for a certain amount of time whereas right now I feel like everything could change next week and we have no control over it. Is that what you're feeling when you throw your hands up, Alicia, that nobody else can see but us? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think, well, especially now with like COVID and everything, like nobody's doing things in person at the moment, you know, and if they are, it's very like controlled, I feel. And so I feel like a lot of the times, at least where I'm consuming a lot of my media is through social media and through my phone and through even like Zoom, like I'm being taught in a classroom online, you know? And so like, I agree that they're different, but you can't do one without the other. But I do feel like PR is constantly changing because the way that we consume media is constantly changing. So. Yeah, and I'm gonna age myself on this one. I was in um, college from 2010 to 14 and we thought we were cutting edge because we actually used Twitter to interact with journalists. And to think how far along we've come in such a short amount of time, it's so overwhelming because every single day it's a new dynamic. It's a new skill set to learn. It's a new trend to leverage. Mm-hmm. And it is overwhelming. Absolutely. So Alicia, I totally get it. I get it. And I am literally seven years post-grad. So I understand where you're coming from. I love that. Thank and you. I will make you feel a little lo- younger here, Erin, because when we were chiseling our press releases. No, <laughs> And then uh, walking it across the village. No, I'm just kidding. It. No, I'm not that old. But it's, <laughs> I think. Sending we, mass faxes. <laughs> yes, exactly. You guys, I love the sound of a fax. Oh, but well, I don't use it. Just to be clear, I don't use it anymore. <laughs> but you guys don't. Rem- I mean, I remember the sound of like printers. Like to me, printers, they had like a very distinct sound. It was so satisfying. Like I was the first kid on my block to get like a printer with the perforated uh, paper. 
oh my God. And it was awesome. <laughs> and my parents like rented a computer from a furniture store. It was fantastic. I love it. That's I love awesome. Game changer. It was a game changer. It was a total game changer. But I think what we all five prove is how quickly things changed and how important it is. And I, I do want to say like, for me, a struggle is being relevant and staying up on everything new that's coming up because I feel like, like Alicia, that's something that you have on our generation is where you guys are learning and adapting so quickly. It takes me longer to adapt or Aaron and Kelsey and Hill, are you guys feeling that yet? Yeah. I like to think of myself as young, but sometimes I feel so behind. A hundred percent. Yeah. And especially whenever there's a certain element that I'm, that I'm trying to learn, let's say, it's digital marketing, right? If I want to dig in and feel like I can become an expert on a certain area of digital marketing, I'm going to have to consult with someone first. I can't just learn that on my own. I can't just take a quick course in it anymore. I have to have a consultant. I have to have someone who is a subject matter expert and can give me that true insight. Whereas it's not just a gut instinct anymore. Like, oh, I can figure this out. I can navigate it. No, I need to know what is going on and how to be most effective and impactful so that I'm getting the ROI that I, that I need. That's really, that is really I mean, good. that's yeah, such a good so, point, mm-hmm. don't you think? Agreed. We feel like we do that generationally, like as new platforms come online mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like if we're talking about social platforms or whatever, it's very difficult for some of us on our team to have the capacity. You know, it's difficult for us to learn things as fluidly, uh, for me to learn things as fluidly as I did. And I'll like often reach out to Alicia mm-hmm. or like, what do you think? Like, how are you guys really even communicating and engaging? I think there is this rush to adopt, adopt, adopt every new thing that comes out that we're not really asking, is it relevant? Is that really where we're trying to have a conversation? Is it going to yield me a return to your point, Erin? And you do, you need mentorship and guidance and counseling from people of all ages, I think right now to be able to answer those questions. I completely agree. Do you guys have like, um, this sounds a little bit weird, Mm -hmm. but do you have like, I call it like a phone a friend, you know, like a phone a friend. Do you have like a phone a friend that is in generation younger than you to help you? Yes. Yes. You have somebody. Alicia is my somebody. Erin, do you have somebody? <laughs> I kind of consult. This is weird. I consult every Sunday with our, um, our family. We have a, a Sunday dinner and two of my cousins are under the age of 16. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to talk to them because I mean, they're in the weeds. And I mean, some of the things that I've had to represent in public relations have been targeted toward that age group. So I can actually get that focus group, right, every single week. And they both have very different interests, even though they have the same demographic, right, same socioeconomic background, things like that. I can still talk with them and figure out, hey, does this make sense for your audience, right? And, and if not, why? How can we change and adjust? So that's just a really um, anecdotal <laughs> way that I do it. I think that's great that you do that, Erin. And, and I think this goes into, like, if you talk about one of the things that we not necessarily changed or done different is like our press releases are just pretty much woefully digital at this point mm-hmm. and trying to make things as easy as possible for our friends in the media who are responding to changing stories like 24 seven. Like, you know, I remember when the news went from like the five o'clock news to the 24 hour news. I remember that distinctly and it changed our freaking world. It changed everything. And now you can learn something, but just by like watching Twitter and monitoring Twitter while it's happening, if there's a hurricane or there's a natural disaster, or there's some sort of catastrophic 
this catastrophic global event, something that it would normally have taken you like back in the day, two or three days to get to you, you can know minute by minute. And so we're just trying to make everything that we send to our friends in the media as digestible and easy to use as possible because we know what they're up against. Are you guys feeling that and seeing that as you know, it is playing out in our jobs every day as well? Yeah, I feel like it's become much more informal too. You know, like it may start with a press release and then you find yourself like texting reporters because once again, it's so timely and they need to get it out now and they don't have time to wait for whatever. So it's just, just like social media, I feel like traditional media has kind of become more instantaneous. You need to do it now. Can't really wait. Trends, just everything's moving so quickly. So yeah, I feel like those two, that's another way they've kind of just come together is the the timing of, of media has really sped up as well. 100%. I mean, more often than not, somebody will see something on Facebook, you know, a journalist or somebody that wants to run a story and then send me a personal DM mm-hmm. and be like, hey, you know, what's, can you organize this interview? Like what's going on with this? When can we do this? And that's really the, what, the relationship piece, I think is so important. And Erin, you're, uh, to me, you're like a pro at this, is that developing that media relationship thing, like what in your mind makes that strong? Yeah. Well, first it's research-based. So how do we tailor all of our communication or all of our efforts to this specific person's interests and audience? We have to make it relevant for them and make it media ready. So package up as much information as we can, make it super easy to understand and really just put it on a silver platter. Because if you don't do that for any type of media, that could be an influencer, that could be a reporter, that could be a traditional journalist, then they're not going to cover it because it's not going to be easy. And like you said, the news cycle is constant and it's ever-changing. So if we make it so that it's super simplistic, under easy to understand, and again, we're packaging it up in a different way for different channels. So it can be you know, first sending more of the long lead editorial style piece, but then also using leveraging their social, their personal social accounts, as well as, you know, if they are representing a different outlet, how can we create a tweet for them? How can we create a Facebook post, right? So there's so many ways that we can make it mediable based on the channel and based on the audience. That's, I mean, you're experiencing that, I think, for sure, where something has a much better chance of being covered or picked up if it's packaged, like print ready. Like absolutely, if they have to do pretty much anything like other than copy and paste, and that probably also has a lot to do with the timing again, Mm -hmm. just, they want something that's going to be immediate so they can swiftly move it on to get it out on whatever platform they've got. So we definitely see that all the time. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head with just relationship building. I mean, yes, it starts with an ask, a pitch, and that is a business relationship, right? But developing a true relationship with your media is so, it's so vital because it adds so much value to what you're doing for your business. It adds so much value to your personal, you know, your personal attributes, your, the media that you're working with, their attributes as well. And that becomes a long-term relationship. It's not just a quick get. And I will say, I've seen this multiple times where we've built up really great relationships with media. And so even when we're like the first people they think of to like ask about, oh, hey, do your clients have anything that they'd like to run in this piece? And usually if you know that relationship, they're not thinking of you, you're not top of mind, like that opportunity could be something we completely miss. 
hundred percent. You know, what's so interesting is I think the media gets a lot of bad, they get a lot of bad media right now. Yeah. People are like, yeah. oh, the media, the media, this, the media, that you hear like fake news, you hear all this stuff. Sometimes it can be very political. I want to ask you guys this question because I feel like it's a tiny bit controversial, but you know, if you have a business and you have a platform and you're sharing information and news on your platform, I'm sorry, but are you not media? I mean, we have clients who have reach that and have audience that's larger than like magazines or newspapers in our community. Are you not media at that point? Should you not understand that when you join a conversation, you have an accountability and a responsibility to truth and honesty and telling it quickly and being transparent, just like everybody else in this conversation of like, oh, it's the media, everything is the media's fault is just our way of not really acknowledging the fact that social and then just this big, huge ability to be public has made all of us media in some way. Well, and people, and I think people, it gets blurred line because people, it's the difference between a person and a business. Right. So, and I feel like people, that becomes a, a fuzzy line that they tend to hide. Yeah, everybody likes to hide. They people do. got courage. They, they, they like to hide behind it. They have digital courage. When, you know, I have a lot of respect for um, our media who is just honestly, they are, I I think a lot of them are trying to do their best or certainly are their platforms that are just not fantastic. Sure. You know, use your, you know, your best judgment on that, but it is difficult to be a voice and to take accountability for that voice and to be willing to share other people's stories. And there's so many different perspectives. There is this in my mind, a very blurred idea of what is truth. It's so difficult to find facts anymore as we know them. I cannot imagine being a reporter in this day and age. It is a very difficult job. Well, let's uh, transition a little bit because I want to talk about influencers and bloggers. And if you're in our field and, uh, you know, and I think even on like some of the bigger business side, it's not like, like bloggers and influencers are new on the scene, but they're certainly newer than like traditional journalists. And there's a little bit of a, an interesting relationship between traditional journalists and influencers and bloggers. Like the way that they view each other and see each other is so interesting. But influencers, whether we love them, hate them, is difficult. Whatever your position is, they're not going anywhere. What are your... What are your all thoughts about that, Alicia? You're you're nodding your head up and down. Oh yeah, I I think influencers. It's just a tricky area, you know. Like you, especially when you're. I'm just thinking about the like fan trips that we looked at and whatnot, and what I've worked with with you guys and everything, and like choosing an influencer that has authority to like speak on a topic, you know, like. And I think that's something that is super important to look at too, because like, you know, you hire me for a fam trip, but I know nothing about like the Destin area, you know? So like, why am I, why that wouldn't be a good fit, you know? And so I think it's an interesting topic of trying to decide what's good for your client, what's good for the business. And then at the same time, like choosing an influencer that actually has some kind of knowledge on the subject, followers that are interested in whatever you're trying to promote, and then making sure that it's like the message is received in the right way. So Alicia, so I'm going to pee back off of that a little bit because I think you're spot on. And I think it completely matters on getting the right influencer for the client or business. And we've talked about this before, you know, before sometimes clients will be like, oh, well, what's their following? Well, just because someone has 10,000 followers, but maybe 
they live toward Panama City, but we're looking at a client in Destin and there's another influencer that gets great reach and they have 5,000 followers. But the chance of like them actually being able to pull people that are engaged and interested in the in a Destin business is going to be better for that Destin influencer. So that's a stronger influencer to collaborate and partner with, even though we're looking at different follower numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's good to get that more holistic picture. I, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I'll jump in on that too. I think vanity metrics are just, it's really hard to temper expectations with clients whenever it comes to vanity metrics, like you said. So you can have a lot of followers, but you can also pay for those followers who are bots. Um, it doesn't mean that they're genuinely interested in the content that you're producing. And working in the tourism realm, working for hospitality clients, I've seen it all as far as, you know, from the, the big guns like Hilton Worldwide, who can afford the most expensive influencer that exists on the face of the earth, who produces great content and quality content, but it doesn't actually lead to any conversions. So the vanity metrics look sexy, looks great on paper, especially for reporting purposes. But at the end of the day, is it actually leading to conversions? And it is, is it leading to general awareness, increased awareness? And how are you measuring that? Um, yeah. It can be by your follower counts for sure, but is that really what you want at the end of the day? So it's, it's hard to manage those expectations with clients. Um, and that's what I struggle with with influencers more than anything. Well, and I think the, the influencer is really what's pulling the integration between PR and social, in my mind. Mm-hmm. It is pull, they are single-handedly pulling that integration together. And we are constantly you know, trying to get as close to that conversion as possible. Because yeah, let's say that you can afford a Kim K or whatever, right? But how many of her followers, I mean, there's, there's some really great new research that's showing that the, you know, the mega influencer is yielding a lower conversion when it comes to a different type of product or service compared to a nano influencer who has a much more, uh, much higher engagement percentage and can really direct conversion and has built this kind of like circle of trust and credibility where the followers are really making some steps after promotion. So, you know, in the very beginning of influencers, it was just all about the numbers because we're looking at the reach, but now it just seems to be more niche. It seems to be more targeted and dialed in. And it's this kind of like birth, if you will, of the, of the nano influencer. I don't even know if you call them influencers, but everyone is an influencer. Sure. You influence your own sphere of influence. Uh, you know, that was kind of a lot of influence, but you know, your own sphere of, of your group of friends or whatever every day. And so that has value for sure. Kelsey, I know that you monitor a lot of social. I mean, are you seeing any like crazy, any craziness? <laughs> it's all crazy. <laughs> I, I love working with influencers and, you know, I kind of work more in the digital space than traditional media anyway, but I've always felt like from, you know, the business side and the the agency side that I enjoy working with them most of the time more than like traditional outlets because they don't need to run something past their editor. You're really talking to the person that you're going to be working with most of the time. And I just feel like in which I think this is why influencers are so successful. It's more of an authentic relationship than something you're reading in a magazine or something, you know, you know, the magazine just needs to print something, but these influencers can choose whether or not they want to work with this business. And I feel like, especially smaller influencers, there's a little bit more credibility behind it. Definitely, definitely Mm -hmm. more credibility. That's well said. I like that. Mm -hmm. I think too, like, 
the influencer is almost like an evolution of the testimonial and mm -hmm. the consumer is super, super sensitive to BS. Like our BS radar is like off mm -hmm. the charts, you know? So we know when we're being sold to now and people are wanting to get to that point of, oh, you're, you're recommending this because you really care about it, not because you're paid to care about it, which is why I think we're seeing this like, you know, downtick in, you know, big commercial paid spots. I mean, we still have that, but it certainly isn't what it was like in the early 2000s. But now it's more like you want people who have a smaller following because you know they're not getting paid. People are savvy to the concept of the influencer and the sponsored post and, you know, it used to be that the word content, like not many people were using it. And now it's like, you see people like random people who are not even working in our industry, utilize the term content as an everyday piece of terminology. Yes. It's just, it's the way that it is. You're creating content. Alicia, you're creating content all the time, right? Oh yeah. No, I was just thinking about like, especially with the rise of TikTok, you see all these, you know, influencers that, especially, I don't know, like Charlie D'Amelio, crazy overnight sensation or whatever, just for dancing on TikTok. And I just wonder like the term you just use content creation. Thank you. Is that content? Is it, I mean, is it, I mean, it is cause she's dancing on TikTok, but at the same time, is it like important content? Would you consider it content as like a professional in your field? Like, would you want to be in the same like ring as Charlie D'Amelio, I guess, because you're, you went to school, all of you went to school and have education in this and are like pros in your field. And then you're, you're creating content, especially Hillary, like you create content for Francis Roy. And then you turn around and look at these like social media influencers that are now content creators, you know? And so I just wonder, it's, I don't know. I wonder if it's offensive, if it's slightly like offensive to you guys to be like in the same realm as these social media influencers, so. I don't know. I don't think it really dilutes for me personally. I don't think it dilutes the work that we do because right. This influencer's audience is so different than the one that I'm trying to target mm. for what I'm trying for my service or, you know, my, what I provide. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from completely. I think some people might be offended that they would be in the same boat <laughs> or be considered in the same boat as a TikTok influencer who is an overnight sensation from their you know living room. But for me, it's, it's, all a, it's all a great blend. I think that's the beauty of what we get to do every day is we really get to identify, you know, what does our audience genuinely care about? What are they engaging with? And how do we get better because of that? We have those insights at our fingertips. And I think that's the cool thing about content creation in general is that it, it is so rapidly changing and evolving every single minute of every day. And we just have to keep up however we can. You're feeling that right now. Oh yeah. I mean, Aaron, we we're on the same wavelength there. I definitely think there's so much and enough content to go around and so much is needed for different things that I don't feel, I definitely feel like that's their lane and that's what they do well. And that's the content they do well. And from that perspective, it is quality content for whoever she's making that for that likes it or is following it is quality to them. Just mm -hmm. like the content we put out at Francis Roy is quality co content for our clients mm -hmm. and for their customer. I'm going to, I'm not really on, like, I disagree with that, but I, I guess I'm going to say, like, it frustrates the hell out of me. It's fresh. It's like, frustrating. I'm not, but I don't, I'm not offended by yeah, it. Yeah. It's not offensive. I, I'm not offended. Well, maybe sometimes, but mm -hmm. I'm, 
it it frustrates the hell out of me because I watch the hard work that you guys all do. You know, I know the man hours that are put into it. I know, like, I can see that. So it's frustrating for me to see it. However, I also know that all of us and those of us like us, we are definitely, we offer a different level of professionalism and that we're serving, you know, we're serving a different purpose. And so while we may not have like the, you know, the water in the frying pan kind of like success overnight, we have the consistency and the longevity and we bring a professionalism to our field. And I think that's something to be proud of, but is it difficult to watch like, you know, an overnight two million. Like, yes, it's difficult. It's difficult to try to grow numbers for businesses, and mm-hmm. then you get up one morning and someone did an interesting. I'm going to call it interesting dance. We're going to call it. We're, we're going to call it. We're going to call it controversial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it, you know, skyrocket in numbers. You know, and yes, I can. It's 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 frustrating. I just think they're two different things. Like. I don't know. I would, it's not my, it's not my zone to dance in front of a camera. That's not my thing. But are we about, no, I'm just no. Kidding. <laughs> we might talk to me next week. We Sometimes might we're like, do, do, do. and we're like, can we, do we need to do that? Like, we don't know. But, but is it quality content? Yes. Because I will tell you, we send it to each other. We send it all the time. Chantel and I go back and forth sending it. Oh my gosh. How funny was this? Oh my gosh. If I could play some right now, but I mean, they, <laughs> They have me laughing for like 20 minutes straight. Yeah. And I think that's the, I mean, from my perspective, it's, there's no silver bullet. Like there is no algorithm that's going to tell you what's going to be effective or what's going to be impactful for your, you know, who you're trying to target. And so you can learn from all of these other influencers and perspectives, and you can make that work based on how you adapt it to your audience Mm -hmm. um, and tailor it to your audience. And I think that's the word of, you know, what we do anyway. That's the main, that's the main thing we have to focus on is being able to adapt and adjust as necessary because what we do the first time is probably not going to be successful. So how do we make it better and improve it for the next time? And how do we work within all of these, you know, various trends that are taking place as we speak? that's the most important thing for us as communicating as communication professionals, especially in media and influencer relations. I don't know that I could have wrapped that up better. Yeah. Aaron. Oh, thanks. I'm not going to try because we're <laughs> at pregnancy brain and all. Yeah. I mean, that was yes, fantastic. That was it. That, yeah, that was it. And it's, I, I think we could almost even have a second discussion about this because there's so much, but we talked a lot about the, the relationship traditional PR, why that's still important, why those relationships are still important, you know, get to know your media, talk to them, have conversations, send dedicated emails, not just blanket press releases, really, you know, tailor to their, what their needs are. And we talked about that. And then, you know, diving into the social space and and the new, um, the new media, the, the influencer and I don't know. I feel like we're going to get some good feedback here and maybe even get a call for us to come together and talk about this some more because I yeah. we can definitely do that. But it's such a moment of like happiness to have all of us together on one call and to be talking about this and knowing that we're all behind the scenes still helping each other along the way because we're all learning how to be better um, every day. So it's pretty exciting. So thanks. Thank you, Kelsey and Alicia and Hill and Aaron. 
And we're going to see Aaron's face. And Aaron's going to have a baby anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I realized that I didn't have my, my camera on at all because I wasn't, like, scrolling through. And uh, I've been running appointment to appointment. So okay. I'm glad that we could all see each other. Actually <laughs> see each other. Yes. Well, we miss you guys. And we are so glad to have you. I think we need to do this again for sure. Yeah. But those of you guys who are listening, thank you for hanging with us. Send us your questions. If you have questions for anybody on this episode or just like a general question that you'd like to hear addressed, you can email us hello at francisroy.com. This is going to be all over our social channels. It's going to drop. It really is going to round out our series about core services. So thank you. If you've been listening to all four episodes, we love you guys. Also, I just want to shout out to whoever is listening to us in Brazil. Yes. We pulled our countries. Holy moly. We've got a, we've got quite a listenership in Brazil. And I think that's pretty fantastic. Honestly, we freaking love y'all send us an email. That is awesome. I am the Russian Federation and the Russian Federation. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty awesome, but we'll uh, talk to you guys next time. And thanks for listening. Bye. Mm -hmm.